Hello, and welcome to The New Beyond, a podcast that invites listeners to learn how to not only think outside the box, but learn how to live outside it, out in the new beyond, where comfort zones are history, and we're tasked with learning how to navigate this brave new world. I'm Dr. Judith Rich, an octogenarian, coach, and author of the best-selling book, Beyond the Box. I've spent the last 46 years in the field of transformation, coaching people all over the world, how to identify and break through old patterns and limiting beliefs that have kept them stuck and challenged to progress their lives in the direction of what matters most. In this podcast, I'll be your guide. And from time to time, we'll hear from some interesting people in the field of transformation and others who by example are out there courageously tearing down old walls, reinventing themselves and building their lives in the new beyond. Join me as we begin an adventure in going beyond where you think you can go. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. I'm ready. Are you? All right, let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. It's so good to have you all here. I'm Judith Rich, and we're meeting at the New Beyond. My guest today is a woman that has been an instrumental person in my life for the past, I can't even believe it's been almost 14 years since I first laid eyes on Reverend Dr. Andriette Earle, who is the founding and senior minister at Heart and Soul Center of Light, a Centers for Spiritual Living affiliate in Oakland, California. Since its 2009 launch, she has honed HSCL, which is Heart and Soul Center of Light, into a loving, vibrant, world-class teaching and empowerment ministry. She's served as co-chair of the Centers for Spiritual Living Ministerial Council for four of the past five years. With a lifetime dedication to communication, meaningful connection, and transformation, Reverend Andriette has honed a distinct voice that sheds light on life's biggest challenges, opening doors to an elevated consciousness. Can you see why I want to have this woman on here? She is the published author of Embracing Wholeness, Living in Spiritual Congruence, and pens a monthly column called From the Inside Out for Science of Mind magazine. Reverend Andriette has designed and developed the transformational board game, Speak Your Word. Oh man, we want to hear more about that. Reverend Andriette is the founding chair of Oakland Bay Area Cares, a proud affiliate of the National Cares Mentoring Movement, founded by Susan L. Taylor. Cares is dedicated to closing the gap between the relatively few Black mentors and millions of vulnerable children on youth serving organizations' waiting list, yearning for caring adult mentors. Welcome, Andre, uh, Reverend Andriette. I am, I am beyond 
thrilled and blessed to have you as my guest on The New Beyond today. I am so excited to meet you in The New Beyond. I feel like that's where you and I have been playing anyhow, Judith. And so I'm grateful for your your willingness to draw this into uh, a place, a space for dialogue. Yes, indeed. I want to say about you, Reverend Andriette, I first laid eyes on you in 2008 when you were an an associate minister at at a different church where you were before you founded Heart and Soul. I, I have to say, I had not set foot inside of a church in close to 60 years until I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I know you didn't know that. <laughs> I was invited to go to a Wednesday night prayer service where you were conducting and leading that service. And literally, you know, the cliche, you had me at hello. Literally, my sister, you had me at hello. You were doing a presentation on Harriet Tubman that night. And like I said, I had, I had grown up in the church. I've been baptized, raised, sang in the choir, been very active in youth groups, all during my teenage years, right up until the time I went away to college. And then that all disappeared for me. And it never re-entered my life. I never had any impulse whatsoever to become engaged in, in, in church activities or, you know, never felt called to any particular church until a friend invited me to come to this Wednesday night prayer service at this other church where you were at the time. And when I, you know, when I went in, it's predominantly, it, it was, and probably still is, predominantly an African-American congregation. I looked around the room. I didn't see very many folks that looked like me, which was an interesting experience, kind of a tables turned experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yet the minute you opened your mouth, I felt at home. Mm -hmm. I felt like, all right, something, there's something here for me. There is some possibility for me. And wherever you were going, I was following. And I can't say that about very many people in my life. So shortly after, probably just really two or three months after I first encountered you, you left that church and you started your own church, Heart and Soul Center of Light. and. So I'm curious about kind of your origin story way back, you know, to as you grew up as a youngster, you grew up in Berkeley, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a Berkeley native. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And what was your religious and or spiritual upbringing as a child? That's a first, just let me say, I am, um, I don't think I've ever known till now the fullness of that story. I somehow would have made up that we had more of a connection there 
Um, and what I remember is I had such spiritual shenanigans going on. on the, <laughs> I, I, I developed the, the, it, the Wednesday night had been, you know, kind of a prayer. It was a quiet time. And I said, if you let me have that, I will, you know, I want to do something with it. And it gave me the platform to, to do the creative spiritual expression, to call people into their own sense of, of spirit in and as them. And I just, it, I, I'm only thinking about this because you brought it up, that ha, once we found, found uh, this founder energy is very different than spiritual shenanigans. <laughs> Let me just, that's my truth, that I was up to spiritual shenanigans and having the time of my life in that little cocoon of Wednesday night, Yes, where I would put on a costume, where yes. I would, because as I recall, we were making that trek to freedom with Mother Harriet. Yes. That's what we were doing. We had shackles. We were yes. And we were overlaying it with the Hebrew children's exodus as well. Oh, I tell you, spiritual shenanigans for real. Just oh, all the things, whatever I could think of. You know, it's the, the trainer in me that is willing to do whatever it takes to deliver the learning. You know, to engage people in the process and... And I'm, I'm sitting here now thinking, oh, I gotta, I have to carve out space for more of that. You know, when the founder energy is putting, you know, it's everything. It's the organizational structure. It's the processes and the procedures. It's the ownership of all of I didn't have any of that. I, yeah. That was my responsibility. I had some leadership responsibilities beyond Wednesday night, but I could really dedicate myself to spiritual shenanigans. Oh, I love it. About it. <laughs> I love it, Reb. But, See, that's the thing about you that grabbed me. First of all, the trainer in me. Yeah recognized the trainer in you <laughs> and kind of the trainer in me loves the trainer in you so we like we have that relationship yes I think in in terms of from whence I've come I somehow always believed you know I um what I remember is uh my first uh church experience that I recall was Baptist and I was mm -hmm. just a little one. And my dad taught Sunday school. I was not in his class, but I remember he taught Sunday school. Mm -hmm. uh, now, as I say that, that surprises me. <laughs> and I'm not clear what they were doing in there because that's not how I know my dad. Uh -huh, <laughs> you're right. But that was a true thing that went on. Yeah. And, um, and then we were less active. I'm not clear why that was. We were no longer doing the regular and he was not involved at that level. My dad uh, grew up Baptist, my mom Methodist. So mm -hmm. I was actually baptized uh, Methodist. So was I. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we were United Methodist and um, I didn't go to the Methodist church though until like high school, my boyfriend at the time was very active in the same church, he and his family in the same church where I had been baptized. So I started going there then, 
took, he was leading the vacation Bible school. So that was really in between there though, my mother's, my mother's cousin had a Baptist church over in Oakland, not far from Lake Merritt. And we attended there. And that was a time when I feel like I learned to tithe. I'm not sure how they taught me, but whatever they said made sense to me and I've done it. And it just, my life is a different kind of life than it would have been had I not learned that spiritual principle, I'm clear. Mm. And I was active in BTU and singing in the choir and all of the things until, you know, then I hit that period in high school where we were more like, you know, black power, power to the people and, you know, religion is for the opiate for the mat for the masses and, and that. So I was a little less about it, even though there was always something in my spirit that knew that there was a divinity with which I was intimately connected. Mm. I knew there was something. It, it, I had a, an epiphanous kind of uh, experience that really put me, kind of shook my faith in a sense. My, my cousin, the minister, was uh, shot and was in grave condition, critical condition. And I remember just praying with everything I had. I didn't really know how to pray, but uh, I say that now, but I just went, I begged is what I did. And I called it prayer. I begged and pleaded (laughs) and tried to bargain with God and he died. And I made up all manner of stories about what that meant about me. Oh, you know, that it had somehow in, on my planet at the time that had everything to do with me and my unworthiness or, or how I was as a person. I just, so I had to, I had to unpack all of that, Mm. you know, in another way and begin to, to own a different order of the universe. Because the way at that time that I saw the universe ordered, it was punishment and reward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it was good and bad. It was all the dichotomies. It was, well, one could say it traditional, traditional Christianity, you know, the old Testament. Yep. Yep. And I'm so grateful for that because because that cracked me open so that I could not own that any longer. And it left me open to something else. And so uh-huh. when I, I, uh, I was going through a very, what I call a, <laughs> my dark night of the soul, a time when I described that I lived under the bed and what I, I just mean that I was out of it. I was distancing myself. I was in a depression. I was staying home as much as I could. I was, you know, I was cocooning in an unhealthy way. Was that related to your experience after your cousin's death? Oh, no, this is decades later. A decade later. I'm sorry, I've I've collapsed time for our purposes. (laughs) So he passed when I was, oh, like in middle school. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You were a youngster. I was probably 13, 
Okay. 12, 13, somewhere right in there. And this experience was probably without saying my age was probably 1982. Okay. Somewhere right in there. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I, if folks who know me know I'm a morning person. And so I'm not up doing anything all times of the night. But I was sleeping during the day and I was up all night. Mm. And so I caught Terry Cole Whitaker. Ah. And got ah, turned out. Ah. Literally got turned out. She, what I recall about that is that she offered affirmations. Yes. And you could even write, encourage you to write in and they'd send affirmation cards. One of which I saw just the other day as I was reorganizing some things. And I'm so grateful for that time because I I had never written to a ministry before that or since, but I wrote and they sent me these affirmation cards and I started using them. And I began to come out of that, that depression and that self-deprecation experience. And um, then they start advertising classes. And I was, what? <laughs> so I got myself over to that Jack Tar Hotel for those classes. And um, it changed my life when I did the ones that they offered in San Francisco. And then I commuted to San Diego on Friday mm. afternoon. I drove to La Jolla, to, a, to San Diego, stayed over on Saturday, attended the class, and then drove back on Saturday afternoon from San Diego. Because At that time that you began taking classes, were did you already feel called to the ministry or were you just taken up in the... I was you, taking classes. I was seeking my own salvation mm-hmm. in a manner of speaking. Now, I'm, there are two sets of folks from my past. Those who, when they say, Andrea's a minister, who... <laughs> Who are wondering, Andriette, who is a minister? And then there are those who are like, oh, she was doing that at work. You know, (laughs) she was doing that whenever. Oh, Lord. I was so glad that she did it, you know, like officially as a profession. And then there's that whole camp of people like, she's doing what? Who let her do that? (laughs) So I have, I'm coming to own that there's always been a place in my life for what I would call the spiritual. Yes. And some would recognize as religion, you know, because it's always, uh, most of my life, it's had some formal um, Uh form, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some form to it that was more about religion. And what I connected with was the spiritual. And I've always, we're, where I participate, I contribute. So if I'm in the thing, I'm in it. I'm, I don't know that I've ever been like a bench member anywhere, you know, where you just, I'm just among the numbers. I get in there with my whole self. So sure. I had access yeah. to the teaching and integrating it wherever I was. And then once I start, I was attending the Methodist church, the same Methodist church where I was baptized and uh, as I got more into Terry Cole Whitaker, well, she didn't have a local uh, right. center here. Right. So, you know, I would go kind of back and forth some weekends. I'd stay over. But one Sunday, 
We were doing a recitation that included, I am not so worthy as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. And I, in reciting it, I gasped. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was like one of those scenes in a movie where the people keep talking, but the protagonist is in another whole world. Yeah. That person, I left the room. My body was still there. I remember we were standing reciting. I sat down. I feel like the energy of it right now is that I held my kid in my hands and I thought, what am I doing? Because I had learned to use affirmations in an empowering way. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in, I don't know how many years I had recited that whole piece. I don't even know the rest of it, but I know when I heard me say that I am not so worthy as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, I thought, hell no, that's not, uh uh-uh, I'm not, that's undoing all of the work I'm doing the Uh rest of the time. I'm not coming here on Sunday, declare, and I was, that was the beginning of the end. I had to ultimately, I led some teams, I, you know, resigned and, you know, and began to, to look for where can I play locally? you know, until I get this all worked out, you know, but I knew something else had to happen because I believed something else. Well, what, what actually called you to become a minister? Like, where did that, to go from attending classes and doing affirmations and all of that to actually saying yes to Whatever invitation, from wherever it came, from spirit, from God. I wish, you know, I had a story of just, you know, like the heavens opening or some grand insight. I am, I'm a collaborator. I love teaming. I just, you know, I want a partner with whom I can do stuff. Yeah. You partner me and I'm just all about it, you know? And so there was, um, I was teaching in, um, in another ministry and um, as a practitioner, as a spiritual practitioner and in leadership roles. And there were a group of students that came to me and said, you know, you, you're different. You're doing some stuff. We want you to. So I started developing my own coursework and doing it within that. Well, one of the students, one day, this is some years later, sent, I received in my mailbox, a request for me to write a recommendation for this individual to go to ministerial school. And I wrote the recommendation, but I kept thinking, you know what? He's going to go to ministerial school and I'm going to go vicariously because this was a buddy with whom we'd share books We'd share video ideas. We, you know, he'd find out about something. He'd share it with me. I'd find out about something. We'd share it. That was the nature of our relationship. It was Mm -hmm. a learning relationship. Mm -hmm. So I kept getting this picture in my mind's eye that I'd be waiting for him to tell me, what did they say about my idea? Well, I knew I'd be reading the book because he would be sharing them. And then I thought, well, shoot, if you're going to do all that, you ought to go. But wait, I decided this was the real hook, Judith. I decided I wasn't going to tell him I was going. I was going, he was going to look up on day one of the class and there I would walk in. In fact, I was going to come in a little late. 
so he could just have that shock. You or know, spiritual I shenanigans. Absolutely. <laughs> Still up to spiritual shenanigans. So I plotted this whole thing. I applied, got accepted. I'm waiting for the September to start at summer. Or spring, actually, I guess, because I, yeah, spring. And um, the registrar calls me and wants to know if I have contact information for the person for whom I wrote the recommendation. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. Mm. And I said, why are you asking me? And she said, well, it's the strangest thing. The only thing we have in this file for this person is what you sent us. Mm. And I said, you know what? I have to start the summer, the summer um, quarter. I have to, I have to start right away because I may not be coming otherwise. And what the way I interpreted all of that is that it was time for me to go, but I never would have gone by myself. Oh. I never would have just said, you know what? I'm going to ministerial school. I never would have done that. Really? Really? Because at that time, was this during the chapter of your life where you were a corporate trainer? I had just retired. Because that, yeah, yeah, that corporate trainer in you comes through. I mean, I recognize that part of you from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. As when I met you, you were engaging in your spiritual shenanigan chapter. (laughs) That was such that, you know, that message came through so loud and clear. And something in me just said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is my girl. This is my girl. Whatever she's up to, I'm I'm in. And you have been. <laughs> I, I have love been. that. I love that. And yeah. you know what I so have loved about our connection is that as you started Heart and Soul and I became a, I am a founding member and yeah. I was at the very first service and have been part of the, the church Um in its evolution, all the different changes that have taken place. um, You really opened a space for me to collaborate and partner you in bringing who I am and what I do and what I contribute into the church in terms of some workshops and intensives. And you and I have done, you know, a couple of things together. And I just, um, Wow, this relationship, this collaboration has been way beyond any expectations I ever had for it. Well, girl, you bring it is the thing. This is not, you know, it's not like magic or me just (laughs) picking somebody out of a crowd. You absolutely bring it. And you're such your generosity of spirit of just sharing with me and heart and soul just giving us access to your tremendous knowledge base and experience and just bringing the tools and resources and delivering them to us for real. So I'm grateful. Uh, It's been a real wonder. Thank you for that, Rev. It's been a wonderful, I believe, match, you know, it's been a wonderful match, (laughs) such a gift and a blessing to me. You know, anybody who knows me, and I think a lot of the people who are are listening to this podcast will have been on the receiving end of a little 
teaching of mine that I got from you mm-hmm. that I brought from heart and soul into my work mm-hmm. in working with people in the public and, and uh, private clients that I work with. And that is the concept of Saubona. And I'm actually going to call this the Saubona episode because I know that people who know me who listen to this will see that word and they will be drawn. And I want people to know where did I learn about Saubona? And, and I learned it from you. So I wonder if you could share from your perspective about Saubona. And I, I think that we're in a perfect Saubona moment. Oh, oh Lord, yes. In our history. Can mm-hmm. you talk about that? Yeah, well, I can give my sense of it. You know, I don't of feel course. like it's a Zulu word. It's, you know, it has its own culture and culturation. It has its own deep meanings where the yes. people who speak that language breathe into it with a certain depth that I don't have and I'm not pretending to have. Yeah. It, I, I began to use it for heart and soul because it became sh- like shorthand for me. There was, there was a sense of, of the word and its meaning being seen. We see you. Yes. And, and I know often we use words as Americans, uh, regardless of where we were born. Once we're Americanized, you know, we kind of use words however we want to. Yep. And so this notion of seeing and looking and we, we, we conflate them often. Yes. This idea of seeing is a form of witnessing. Yes. It's a form of seeing with my heart seeing through my whole spirit, the presence of the divine in another, in, and there's not even another, really. You know what I mean? So, so the truth is, I don't have the language for it, yeah. but Salbona seemed to, seemed to help me to begin to articulate in some way a, a, an expanded way of thinking about how we can be present with each other. See, with I don't even other. want to say each other because it tends to cancel out that there is an other. Right. You know? Right. But but the idea is how to be, how to sense others, um, how to sense humanity. Um, it says something about, you know, if we're here at the same time, what are we going to do with that? That's what I feel like in our relationship, Judith. You know, it's as if we discerned we're here at the same time. We have some skills. Let's put them together and make a difference. Snap. And so Salbona is is that. How do we, you you know, I don't know that, that, you know, as we go on, we get to know each other better. You and I, we find out more. Like I just learned today (laughs) about, you know, how you got to to, um, how we first connected. And you just learned today how I came to even right. go to ministerial school and that. Right. So what you and I have not done is, is we have not like spent time just trying to find out each other's story. We right. have learned each other's, the aspects of the story we know through our being together. 
So yes. the being has taken the precedent that has been like the goal of our relationship. How can we be, we, we see each other, you know, in, in a Salbona kind of way. I didn't just look across the room and there you are. So I'm looking at you. It's different than that. This is, I see you. I see in you, the divine. I see a part of what I'm to be about in and as you. Yes. And so we come together with that. What is it that we can do together for humanity is a part of it as well. And so that's what I love about us is we haven't, we, we haven't gotten stuck in any of the human, the little bitty human places. And instead we've ridden the wave of the divine. Yes. How can we How can we bring what each of us has, what each of us knows, what each of us does, what each of us bees, new word, bees, um, to the greater good? How can we offer that? How can we put that together as an offering? Yes. You know, and I feel like what I love about my relationship with you is we get right to it. We certainly do. You know? So even your your invitation for us to do this, it's like, you know, I don't really know what all we're going to do, but yes, because whatever we do makes a difference. That's right. That's because right. Because we come to it from that intention. A- absolutely. And so that offering, that that willingness to be in the context and the energy and the potential of of the Saubona moment yes. to, I, in my experience of working with people as I do in a totally different kind of context than you do, you know, in their personal lives and in their businesses, one of the biggest challenges and opportunities that I experience in people is that when they come to do transformational work, and I know you know, you're all about transformational work, whatever form it takes, whatever it looks like. The biggest thing that I see happen for people is that they feel seen. They have the experience of being seen, as you would say, not with the ocular system, yeah, but seen through the eyes of spirit and heart and divinity and ancestors. And I know in, in, the, in the Black population, the whole concept of the ancestors is much more prevalent than it is among us white folk. I, I think you hold it in a more sacred honoring place. And I, I think that um, it's an opportunity for white folks to connect to their ancestral lineage and experience themselves as a part of the movement of that lineage and that they have a role, that we all have a role in that lineage, even going back as well as going forwards. And so when I think about Saubona in this moment, that we are in a Saubona opportunity for humanity on the planet today, right? Uh, you know, I think we're, we're witnessing, we're witnessing what's happening in Ukraine. We're, we're witnessing, you know, suffering on such a massive scale. 
And I, I know very few people who are not touched and moved to tears and sharing the suffering as we're witnessing this. And I think in the bigger picture, in the metaphysical terms of what's happening, while we see destruction, we also see the opportunity for transformation and rebirth. So there's also the possibility of an opening here. And I think so much of what you teach and what you represent stands right at the intersection of the death and the rebirth, mm -hmm. right? I, I hope so. That's the intention, yes. you know, that's, yes. that's absolutely the intention. I, I feel that the Ukrainian people and their, their leadership, their president in particular, are speaking from this place, a place of, of witnessing life and valuing it. Yes. And speaking from, um, speaking from a place of, of spiritual integrity um, yes. is the way I would frame it as well. So this is my way of just wanting to clarify because I'm clear that everybody is not seeing it. Oh, yeah. Everybody is not oh. seeing it. Um, just like with so many of the other issues that are opportunities that are before us, there's a cadre of folks who do not see it the way I see it. And it's so interesting. You know, I have often said growing up in Berkeley really just not necessarily set one up to live many places. <laughs> so, I've often thought about there's some places I know I don't have any business living there. Yeah. You yeah. know, without naming them, I'm just like, no, I haven't been. I've not been properly trained. I was <laughs> raised in Berkeley. And so that didn't, you know, they haven't done any of what was necessary. None of that has been planted in me so that I can just go anywhere and live in the world without, you know, shenanigans. So I'm right um, there with you. Yes. <laughs> you know, so um, I see what, what's true about this notion of Salbono is that it's about freedom. It's, it, when we finally, you know, when we kind of peel it back, it's about liberating the soul because it's, it's how, it's what you said in, in terms of training that once people are seen, once they really know that they've been witnessed and honored, it transforms everything. Why? Yes. Because they're free to be. Yes. And so I see the, you, many of the Ukrainian people, at least from what I'm hearing, those folks who are sending their children off, but staying. Yeah. You know, they're standing in this witnessing for each other and the world yes. and hoping to be seen and witness because ultimately that whole experience is free. And, and yes, absolutely. And and uh, and this is, I believe, an inflection possibility for humanity, for all of us. This is a moment, whether we'll step into it and whether we'll bring it, you know, into reality, whether we'll do the work necessary to transform uh, a critical mass of consciousness that allows a, uh, a, a collective shift. It's in the new beyond, Judith. It's the new beyond, honey. The new beyond. Yes. Mm. And here's the thing that, that sometimes we get so hung up, and this is hard to, to do the work 
while the work is being done in us. Yeah. <laughs> because some people will leave the room, you know, yeah. the, the work room while this goes on, because for them, it represents that there isn't a God or that there isn't, uh, there isn't order in the universe. What my life and my experience of life, as well as my observation of life, is that none of us knows what it takes. Mm. None of us knows what it takes. I, for well, just in a very mundane yeah. way, yeah. I would have thought that given my life and the way I contribute and what I'm up to now in terms of ministry, I would have thought that given, you know, if we go from now back and try to rewrite history, that I would just go, you know, it's time for me to go to ministerial school. But I didn't and I wouldn't have. And so we had to have that whole little shenanigan thing happen, yeah, where, yeah. you know, and I was afraid I never even asked him until after I graduated. We went to brunch for my graduation. I asked him then what happened? Because I thought I, I can't get sidelined. You know, I'm here. I must focus on being here. Once I had completed the work and was done, I knew he could say anything. It, you know, I was curious, but it didn't matter. Nothing hung on it. And I was all that time. I was concerned about what, what I was up to, what I was thinking and what might take me off the path, you know? So mm -hmm. I know none of us knows what will it take for us to really crack open our hearts so that we see each other. And I, I hate to think that it's war, but it is. When Apparently I so, of, you know, many of us lived through the Vietnam War. Yes. And we're aware that that was the first televised war. And once it was televised, you know, <laughs> woo, oh, you know, yeah. I'm just thinking about the last poets and Gil Scott Heron, you know, the revolution will not be televised. But when yeah. we televise wars, yeah, we have a low tolerance for looking at it when you televise lynchings. When you televise police dogs attacking humans, we have we have a low tolerance for watching it. We These don't mind. We can read about it. Yeah, we can read about it. We can hear about it. But if they televise it, it's almost like you know, it's what I call a Martha and the Vandellas moment. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. We are face to face with our own self. We know that that has something to do with us. Yes. And yes. so I, I feel like what's happening now is changing us forever. We will never be the same. Yep. We will never be the same. Yes. And we can't give up. We cannot give up. We must continue to see the Ukrainian people and the people who are holding for the greater good. Yes. The highest and best for all concerned. And we know when that's happening and when it's not. You know, you have characterized your ministry as an adventure in faith. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, and we're uh, collectively. Yeah. What you've been talking about yeah. is our collective adventure in faith. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like we don't know what's going to be required of us until we show up. Right. On the field. Right. You know, I that the the roomy poem, which I love so much. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field 
I'll, I'll meet, meet you there. there. I'll meet you there. That's and great. I'm calling that field the new beyond. Yes, I believe I that. that's what we're being called to. I love that. We're not going back. No, we're not. And we can't go back because yes. it doesn't exist anymore. No. Whatever was back there no. is now gone. And there, there are those individuals for whom the future seems to, I'm just reading it. I don't know it. You know, I'm not talking to them directly. They haven't told me this. I'm, I'm trying to read and interpret their behavior, which you can already see the fallacy in my ability to do that. But what I'm sensing is that there's great fear. There's great fear about if power shifted, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then what would happen to me and the people I care about? Mm -hmm. And what my prayer is, is that we have a larger vision that that ought to be all of us. Yes. You know, that the people yes. we care about would be everybody breathing and alive, you know, alive and breathing. Um, it, it's that it's, it's, it's all of humanity. It's a complete and paradigm shift. Absolutely. It's not about winners and losers. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's a, it, it's, it's about, I mean, for the people who are in fear about what will become of me and mine, yeah. if the game changes, mm -hmm. it's a paradigm shift to, it's about all of us. Right. 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 And that's, you know, when in transformation and the transformational trainings that I lead and others, it's about standing as source of a transformed world that works for everybody. And I know that's, that's the vision for statement all. for Centers yes. for Spiritual Living. It's yes. about creating a world that works for everyone, not just the privileged or the elite. Right. Or the strong. Yeah. yeah. Or the moneyed. Yeah. Or, or, you know, this race versus that race. Yeah. So adventures in faith, which is the context of the your wild ride. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> like, let's get buckled up. But, but, but for me, what it represents in part is that we're going to tell each other the truth. Yes. We're not going to pretend that it isn't difficult. We're not going to pretend that folks don't have challenges. So we're not going to say pray and then act like stuff isn't happening. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's whatever is happening because yes. I'm. I'm meeting whatever the experience is by right of my own consciousness. And so we're on an adventure. We and are. We are trusting. We are, we are, we are expanding our confidence. We are convicted that we're in for the ride, you know, Man. and dare I say that, you know, like the folks who ride the roller coaster with hands in the air, you know, yes. what I mean? that, that maybe we can bring that some of that to it, that 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 our adventure in faith does not have to be white knuckled. Yes, we can actually have shenanigans and have fun. Absolutely. All <laughs> along the way, for sure. I for love sure. that word. And we can hold each other. You know, we can yes. see that right now I'm not depressed. I'm not having a difficult time. So I can hold someone. Yes. While they while they are going through their experience right now. Oh. And we can be there for each other. There's yeah, it's an opportunity for us. But this is an adventure in faith. And I feel like it helps me to refer to it that way. You know, stuff 
life is unfolding in ways that have my eyes bucked and my mouth open and all of that. And I get to name it something. I love and so it. I'm naming it. This is an adventure in faith. And that shifts it for me, Judith. Because I used to call it, oh my God, this is the worst thing that ever, or whatever I called it. <laughs> yes. And it begins to be that in my spirit. But an adventure in faith, I mean, it's like inside of me, we're like, oh, okay, what? <laughs> All right, I'm in. I don't yes. know what it looks like. Yes. I don't Let's know where see. it's going, but I'm Let's in. Let's see what can happen. Yes, yes. You made a reference to prayer. And I wonder if you could say a few words about spiritual mind treatment, which is a form of prayer that's practiced and was originally taught by Ernest Holmes, who founded Science of Mind, which is the, the sort of was the parent philosophy. organization, yeah, philosophy. Mm -hmm. And I personally find this form of prayer to be an experience that really takes me into the new beyond. Yeah. Could you say a few words about Absolutely. spiritual mind treatment? Absolutely. The, the, what's basic, this is my sense of it. So I'm not like trying to teach the class here for anybody yeah. who yeah. is expert in this and listening and thinking, what's she talking about? <laughs> I'm just going to speak to it from how it works for me. The first step, there are five steps that most typically are used. Sometimes they're fewer, sometimes they're more in different iterations of Ernest Holmes' um, formula design. The very first step is recognition. And what I love about that is it requires that one come into cognition of the divine. Mm recognition to to begin to speak words that affirm that i know this yes. i know god is good yes yeah i know that there is one life and then i say something i know about that life there's one life there's one love there's one beingness there's one love there's one all in all so that first step is me recognizing what am I talking about? What am I, what is this about? Where am I going? Mm -hmm. So our going to prayer begins with recognition of what you're not praying to, but what you're speaking of. Yes. I hope that makes sense. So then the very next step is having established that it would be to say, to see oneself. It's a Salbona moment. Yes. It's, it's where you collapse that there's all this divinity and I'm a part of that. Yes. That that's yes. breathing me. That's living me. I'm not outside of it. So I'm yes. not beseeching it. It's I'm one. It's one. I mean, we don't even have the language. I say I and the father be one. Because yes. if I use a plural verb, it sounds like there's more than one of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I and the father be one because it's, it's the oneness that's happening there, the unification of that. And then that next step is where I now, so now I know what is, what I'm living in. I know I'm part of that all in all. And now I'm declaring what that means. I'm realizing it's almost an if-then scenario. Mm. If God is all there is, 
and I'm one with God, then shoot. <laughs> my life, my health, my family, my world, my well-being. Then you see what I'm saying? If, if I know that and I know I'm a part of that, then that changes everything. So what I'm speaking into in that I realize what the change is and the change is in my thinking. Yes. Because I've come to prayer like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? They talk in surgery. Oh, Lord, he's going to leave me. Oh, Lord, the children, this, oh, whatever it is. I've come maybe with that kind of energy. But what I have recognized is that the truth is there's one life. God is all there is. And I'm one with that. Oh, shoot. That changes everything. <laughs> now I'm speaking of my family and the food and the circumstances and the work and the money and the health and well-being and all of the things that are up for me, I now am speaking of them from another whole vantage point. Yes. Now, after I do that, there's nothing to do but give thanks for that. There's yes. nothing to do but be grateful, be like, oh, okay, the thing is already done. Because what I am, you know, we have the scene where, where the master teacher Yeshua, who the world ultimately came to call Jesus, is standing before Lazarus's tomb and says, Father, I give thanks that thou hearest me always. So it's that kind of thanksgiving. I'm giving thanks that I came to my right mind and <laughs> realize that I'm one. And that this this, this all in all, this powerful resource of all being, this love at the center of the universe, the source of all that is, is happening right here. Right now, right and where I am. it is to seal this. Yes. So now I've, 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 I've given thanks for this realization, for the way that all of this is revealed to me. And then I want to let it go because I so believe it. I have such faith in it. I so know this that I can drop this like it's hot. I can just release it into the perfect activity of law because I've really invoked something. There is a system that's already in place. And what I have done is I've activated that that system of father, I give thanks that thou hearest me always. Yes. That's yes. what I needed to remember. Oh. That I'm not alone. That this, as hard as this is, that I'm held in all of this. And that's really, that's the way I would describe the way, those are the steps of treatment. And that's how they make sense to me. Wow. That that's the most, those are the most powerful cliff notes on spiritual mind treatment I've ever heard. <laughs> I know you did said you didn't want to teach a class on it, but listeners, I know you got this. <laughs> and so, you know, to bring us to a close, my dear sister, whom I love and adore and appreciate and respect and honor so much. I wonder if you would be willing to pray us out Certainly. and do, um, could you do a treatment for this moment in humanity, for humanity and the world and, you know, whatever, whatever you feel called to do so that we can actually experience 
a spiritual mind treatment? Yes, absolutely. I will. Um, I'm going to see what, what unfolds. I, I right. think it's important for me to say that, that hmm, there, father, I give thanks that thou hearest me always. And that anything we would think in terms of requesting is already known. It is the highest, the highest possibility is what we're always wanting to speak to. So let's, let's do this. All right. <clears throat> oh, how good and very good it is to simply pause for a moment to breathe in the breath of the divine, the breath of the living one, the strong one, the breath of the source of all, and to realize right now that I am breathing the breath of the divine, the breath of source, and the breath of source is breathing me. And that this is true for everybody. Each and every one of us is breathing the breath of the divine, the living one, the strong one, also known as the, the breath of God. And that this breath is breathing us. That's how our nostrils are filled. That's how that entire breathing process happens through the inhale and exhale, that we are being breathed even as we are breathing. So I know, and I know that I know that I am one in as the divine. It's breathing me. I am breathing it. That represents to me the divine oneness. And I am grateful for that because that parks me perfectly in a spot of knowing that I have the power to speak my word, to know that as I speak this word for peace mm. and for plenty, Plenty in a way that everyone hungry is fed. That everyone thirsty is satiated. That everyone in need of, of health and health care, that there is enough for everyone, that all of our needs can be met. So I speak this word from a vantage point of already seeing that there is plenty, that there's enough food in the world, that there's enough resources, that there's enough water, that there is that that we must be, do, and have in order to shift how we have been. And I speak this word, that it might be a word that opens a mind and a heart to addressing it in a different way, that this word goes on before me to adjust something in a way that something more can happen, that a new choice is made, that another decision is made, that is more inclusive, and more validating and whatever is required to bring us to a place of divine unity, to bring us to a place of freedom, to bring us to an experience of love and deep compassion and caring and basic kindness. Oh, I see the world through new eyes. I see the infinite possibility right where we are right now. 
I see the power in each individual to choose more righteously, to choose more in alignment with whatever is required. For a world that works for all. So I just give thanks. I give thanks for knowing that we had it all the time. I give thanks for knowing that right where we are right now, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is. That our heart's desire is not only possible, but it's certain. So an absolute perfect gratitude for knowing that, Father, thou hearest me always. I simply release this word into the perfect activity of love. I know that it's done. It's already done. I simply allow it to be so in me. And my prayer is that any and everyone within the sound of my voice allows it to be so within mm -hmm. them. And for this too, I am grateful. And so I simply seal this word for all eternity by saying Ashe. Ashe. Amen. Amen. And so and so it is. Yes, yes. Thank you, Rev. That was beautiful as always. Powerful as always. Cuts right to the core, cracks open my heart. I feel blessed and so grateful to have spent this time with you. Thank you so much. I want listeners to know how they can experience you. So Heart and Soul is broadcasting via Facebook, right? Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube. And I'm going to put the URL of the website in the show Perfect. notes. Perfect. Yeah. Because so if they go to the website, they'll, they can choose where they want to, uh, how they want to interact. So y'all can experience rev and uh, a, a service of heart and soul and to my dear listeners i want to just say those of you who know me now you know <laughs> where i get my inspiration from the woman who has inspired me for 14 years whom i love and adore and to whom i am so grateful it's thank you so much rev for spending this time with us Thank you for the invitation. This was such fun, Judith. Many blessings, my dear sister. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. When someone first suggested I do a podcast, my first reaction was, yeah, I, I actually have been thinking about it for a long time and it sounds great, but I have no idea how to create and put a podcast out there. Can you hear me arguing for my limitations? Well, no sooner did those words come out of my mouth when two angels appeared and said, no problem, we've got your back. Those two angels are Veronica Arbolita and Justina Nielsen, my producers. 
My thanks and appreciation to both of you for making this podcast possible. It would not have happened without you. And lastly, I want to thank you, dear listeners, for your support of this podcast. Thank you for your reviews, for all your five-star ratings, and for helping us find our audience through your Facebook shares and posting on other platforms. We're still in our infancy, so every time you share a link to this podcast with others, you're helping us grow. And I'm extremely grateful. We have some very interesting people joining us in the next few weeks, so you won't want to miss a single episode. Until we meet again out here in the new beyond, thanks for spending time with us. Many blessings, and may God speed you on your journey.